Hey, Vision, we got a special podcast episode for you this week. Roddy Lloyd brought the word and he was speaking on This is How I Fought My Battles, Ecclesiastes 3, an amazing and encouraging, but also really impactful word that he brought. So, hey, get ready. We're diving in deep. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I'm going to tell you something. If that doesn't get you fired up, your wood's wet. I'm telling you. Well, good morning. What an honor. Got to get my old man glasses on. There's a reason for that. <clears throat> but what an honor it is to speak to the children of God. See, this is my family. When I look... At, at the people of Vision Church, I see family. This is, this is my family. I just love you guys. See, y'all are the most blessed people on earth, the children of God. And I get the honor to stand before you today and, and speak God's word to you. That makes me the most blessed guy on earth, I feel like. So if you have your Bibles, start turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And while you're turning, most of you know I'm not a preacher, and I am certainly not trying to be one. So I just want you to know that before we kick this thing off. But the Lord gave me a message a little over a year ago. In fact, it was in the pastor's living room. We were gathered there on a Wednesday night. We were trying to decide what in the world we were going to do about this COVID mess. What, what was the church going to do? How were how we going to react? And this message that he gave me has just been boiling up inside me in my spirit ever since. When the pastor contacted me a few weeks ago and he asked me to speak today, I started petitioning the Lord. I said, Lord, what is it that you want to say to your people? I don't want to give them something that I come up with I want you to come up with it Lord what is it that you want to say and the Lord said I gave you a message for a time such as this so if you know our Lord he is always right on time anyway my wife asked me she said honey keep it light because people like that and she said and you're good at it so I want to tell you something. I tried, huh? <laughs> I've really tried. But you know, with the world the way it is, with our country the way it is, the situation is going on. For the life of me, I cannot come up with anything like. So the Lord gave me a message, so I'm just going to spit and screech and try to preach if it's all right with you. I love this church. I believe in it. I believe in you. And I believe that this church can become a soul winner. Not in 15 years when we get a great big congregation, but right now. See, we can have a prayer life. We can be prayer warriors right now. We can impact our cities. We can make a difference out there right now. You see, I don't believe we were saved for anything else. I don't believe we were saved 
just for us. I don't believe we were saved just because Brother Wright is such a great guy. No, we were saved for a purpose. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, get your Bibles out, or you've already got them out. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let's start with verse 1. You got him? Getting it. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. You remember that one, Spencer. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time of love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Lord God, I just lift you up this morning. I lift up that beautiful name of Jesus. What a beautiful song it is about you, Father. What a beautiful name it is, that name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. Father, your word says that where two or three are gathered together, that you're there in the midst of them. We invite your spirit here today, Father. We invite you here. In fact, I would like for you to be so real to us that we could hear your sandal-footed footsteps walk these aisles as we lift your name up. Father, I pray that my spirit would diminish, that your spirit would rise up in me, and that you would speak through me. Use my lips, Father, to speak your words. We thank you and we love you in the name of Jesus. You know, in the natural realm, there's seasons in a person's life. Solomon the wisest man that ever lived recognized that not all times were the same. That indeed there are times for planting and there are times for plucking up. In fact, things in our life may change week to week, day to day, and maybe even hour to hour. As some of our families in this church have, have come to realize with the losses that we've suffered over the last few months. But Solomon knew that there would be periods of weeping Periods of laughter, periods of sorrow and periods of dance, times of silence and times for speaking, and all things are right and proper in their time. But that last verse that I read you this morning had a God-inspired author write, there is a time for war. Oh, I know, there is a time for peace as well, but there is a time for war. The enemy that was fighting against the children of Israel 3,000 years ago is the same enemy that's fighting against the children of God today. It's the same one. So the question I have for this church today is when is it wartime? I submit that it's wartime when the need for battle overcomes my natural desire for inactivity. 
When the cause is bigger than my love of pleasure. When the enemy invades my land and holds my friend and my family and my church hostage. When Fox News says and reports that Christianity is dying and it's being replaced by the cult of coronavirus. I'll tell you, it's wartime. When the government is forcing the people to let them inject substances made with cells from aborted fetuses into our bodies, I'm telling you, it's wartime. And I'll guarantee you in 2021, it's not time for some mealy-mouthed, weak-kneed, spineless imitation of a church. It's time for this church, Vision Church, to rise up. I hear the sound of the battle cry. I hear the captain of my salvation, and he's saying, if you're here from all over northwest Arkansas today, I, the Lord, have brought you here for one reason. You're here to be in my army. That's why we're here. I'm preaching to you this morning that it's wartime. It's time to go to war. I'm calling on somebody, someone today, to grow beyond the point of saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. To the point where we'll go to the pastor and say, what can I do? How can I help? I want to talk to you about three things this morning. I want to talk to you about this army's purpose. I'm going to talk to you about this army's prerequisite. And I want to talk to you about this army's power. Y'all ready? All right, buckle your seatbelts. This army's purpose is to fight. General Schwarzkopf... Some of you know who he was. He's the commanding general of the Allied forces in Vietnam. He said that an army exists for one reason. That's to break things and to kill people. Now, I'm not advocating that we should go around the church breaking anything and certainly not kill anybody. But honey, I'm not going to back up from telling you that this is God's army and it exists to fight against the forces of hell and to tear down the strongholds and to tear down Satan's kingdom. And rescue people. We're here to fight. And if we're not fighting, it's not fulfilling its obligation or its responsibility. I heard a preacher in Kansas while my son was going to school up there. He said something that just slapped me right upside the head. Aren't you glad that the Lord will slap us upside the head every once in a while? He said, the day we stop trying to win souls... It's the day we forfeit our right to be called a church. Whoa. I thought as long as we had three courses, an offering, nine announcements, and a sermon, we were having church. No. No. Only when it gets into our heart that I'm not going to be content unless I'm fighting. I'm going to hold those girls that I go to school with, and I'm going to get a hold of those guys that I work with, and I'm going to take the life and times of Jesus Christ and I'm going to teach somebody a Bible lesson. We've got to get into the battle. This morning we need to commit ourselves to an all over again, nothing held back, no holds barred assault on the kingdom of God. I mean on the kingdom of Satan. We better get our war faces on. It's wartime and this is an army. We better get to fighting. You hear me? I'm encouraging you today. When did David get in trouble? 
when he demanded leisure during wartime. See, the Bible says that there was a time when kings went out to war. You know what David did? He said, I'm not going. He said, I'm staying. Besides, maybe they'll have another pizza party if I do. He said, you guys go ahead. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to kick back in my spiritual easy chair and wait till next time Brother Roddy preaches about shouting because I like that a lot better. See, we'd like it a lot better if the pastor preaches about hooping and hollering and, and gets everybody all excited. And I want to tell you, I like that as much as any of you. Probably more than most. But that isn't going to save our country. That isn't going to get into our schools and our workplaces. That isn't going to impact our city. That's not going to make our church grow. What's going to make it grow is for somebody to say, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to witness. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fight. David says, looks like it cost an awful lot. I think I'll stay home. When he laid back in that spiritual easy chair, you just bank on it. There's a Bathsheba standing on the doorstep, knocking on the door, and David's opening it. You, know, you want to know when we don't have trouble? When on Saturday mornings, we're out knocking on doors. Or we're teaching Bible studies, or we're in our war rooms. When we're getting with it, when we're doing something for God. Instead of demanding that God do something for us. You hear me? In Judges chapter 12, the Ephraimites, I know they had the wrong motive, the wrong spirit. But at least I like what they said. Jephthah had just finished the battle. And the Ephraimites came out there. Had the wrong motive, I got it. I don't need one of those Bible studies. But they came out there and they said, Jephthah, my God, you had a battle and you didn't invite us? We'll burn your house down. Pastor, you mean to tell me that you had a prayer meeting and you didn't invite me? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. But you get the point, right? That Kansas pastor I was telling you about, his church has a three-day fast every once a quarter, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He, he said, you know what? I like to watch the congregation when I announce it. He said, you know what some of them do? Some of them go, yeah, okay, come on, let's get it. Others say, again? We just had one of those three months ago. You know what I wish? I wish some of us would be like those Ephraimites. That we'd come running to the pastor and say, Pastor, every time you have a prayer meeting, I want to be there. Invite me. When's our next fast day? When are we going to have a Bible study? I want to know. I want to be a part. I'm preaching to myself. We ought to be the first ones on our feet during prayers and worship. We ought to be in here fighting. Because it's a war we're fighting. It's a war. This army's purpose is to fight. God said to David, he said, so don't you don't want to face the enemy's sword, huh? Well, my sword will never depart from your house. I don't know about you, but I'd a lot rather face the enemy's sword than God's sword. 
So I plan to fight. I said, I plan to fight. See, that's why God gave us the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 8 does not say, I'll give you goosebumps so that after church we can all go to the marketplace and, and, and go, wow, didn't we have a great service today? Acts 1 and 8 did not say, I shall make you feel good so that we can pat each other on the back and go, wow, we had a move of God this morning. No, he said, I'll give you power so you can become witnesses. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Our purpose is to fight. But there's a prerequisite for this army. It's purity. It's purity. I want to take a look at a couple of scriptures. One is in 2 Timothy Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You don't tangle yourself with what's going on in the world. You want to be able to please your God who's called you into his army. The other one, Deuteronomy 23, verse 9. It says, when the host goeth forth against thine enemies, then keep thee from every wicked thing. Keep thee from every wicked thing. I'm preaching to some of you today who are beginning to buy what I'm saying. Who are thinking, maybe God did save us for something besides myself. You want to be a soul winner. You want to be a prayer warrior. We better never get the idea that this spiritual warfare stuff is for the half-hearted, quasi-spiritual, lukewarm Christian. We better think again. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God, but they are not carnal. We'll never use them with one hand on the church and one hand in the world. Prerequisite for this army is purity. If you're going into war, God said... You better keep yourself from every wicked thing. From everything that even sounds like sin. From everything that even smells like sin. If you're going into war, honey. If you're going to face the enemy. You'd better keep yourself back from anything that's unpure. You see, I'm not worried about our commander. Whether he'll keep his end of the deal or not. Paul said to Timothy, he said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him against that day. He also said, I know what we put in his hands, he will keep. My question is, what he puts in our hands, will we keep? What is that good thing? I'll tell you one good thing it is. This message. This message, it's a good thing. We better get into his word. We better find out what it says. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take pastor's word for it. Time is too short for that. Get in here for yourself. It does matter whether or not you're baptized. It does matter whether or not and how you're baptized. Get in the the book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 8, 10, 19. Find out what the Lord says about it. If we're going to fight these battles that we're talking about, 
we need to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. You won't have to have someone tell you how to do it or tell you what to say. It'll just come rolling out of your spirit. Get into the word. Find out what it says. Keep this message pure. Let me tell you, this word is true. It's holy and it's faithful. You need to find out what it says and you need to keep it. You'll fall in love with God's word and you'll fall in love with his church. This is not a prison camp. Shackles. Honey, you're living in the greatest thing on planet Earth. You'll fall in love with this message. Purity of message is the prerequisite for revival we're always talking about. There's so many things out there trying to convince you that their way's right. TV, music, Hollywood. They're all preaching death straight out of the pit of hell. We can no longer depend on our government to protect us. I don't know that we ever could. The schools nowadays are filled with satanic symbols and influences. I know. I work there. You got 16-year-old kids or crack addicts. You got 14-year-old girls having babies and throwing them in dumpsters. Kids nowadays don't even know what sex they are, for goodness sakes. They're confused. And it's the devil, it's our enemy that's confusing them. And we're letting them. We're just letting them. I'll tell you, I'd hate to walk into that with a watered-down message that can't save them. But honey, if you'll march into that battle with a pure doctrine, if you'll march into that, those schools and those workplaces with a genuine spirit and a new birth, I'm telling you, we can win this battle. We can win this battle. Don't water this message down. Our Father doesn't need us to water it down so He can feed more people. My God, He took a, a, a carryout dinner from Long John Silver and fed 5,000 men and women and children. He can multiply. Keep this message pure. Whew. Man, Brother Roddy, you need to be more broad-minded. Mm. I know where the Broadway goes. Wow. That's narrow-minded. Thank you. I'm trying to get through a narrow gate. I just love this message. I just love this message. And if you stick around here, you'll love it too. I promise you. A pastor in Rogers told me about a young man who came into his office and he said, Pastor, I'd kind of like to live for God, but I'm going to tell you why I can't. Pastor said, no, son. You're going to tell me why you won't. You got to know this, Pastor. He doesn't play. He doesn't play at all. The young man said, it's the way you preach. It's so confining. The pastor said, you're right. It is confining. But so is a life raft in the middle of the ocean. The outside of that life raft is confining. But it's not confining to keep you in. It's there to keep the sharks and the everything else out. You see, the reason we preach purity and separation in the church today 
is to keep the enemy of your souls out so you can be empowered to do the work of God. Purity. It's a prerequisite for this army. This army's purpose is to fight. The prerequisite is purity. Now I want to talk to you about this army's power. How strong is this army? Ezekiel saw a valley of old dead dry bones. But when the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they rose up on their feet like an exceeding great army. I don't see a bunch of old dead dried bones in here. You killed them when you repented and gave your life to Jesus Christ. I'm calling on us to rise up like that army, an exceeding great army. You hear me. In the Song of Solomon, God describes his bride as an army terrible with banners. Excuse me. Understand that word terrible. It's not like the school lunches that I face every day. No. That comes from the word terror. Frightful. What that scripture means is you scare the devil. Oh, no, Brother Roddy. The devil scares me. He shouldn't. Son, there's so much Holy Ghost power in you, the devil couldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole. And you say, but I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I know. Our family was in Houston. It's been several years ago. We were there and at a church, and, and a prophet was there, and his name was Martin Bustard. It's the same prophet that prophesied over the birth of our daughter, Amanda. He even prophesied her name. Now that's living close to God, isn't it? Well, he was walking through the congregation. And he was laying hands on people that were sick and lame. And they were being healed right there in front of our eyes. We're on the side. There was a young woman standing over there. Giving it one of these. Kind of giving it a perfunctory smile. Kind of like that. He walked over to her and he got right up in her face and he looked at her. You know what she did? Ah! That's what we did too. We jumped. That prophet stepped back and he turned around and he pointed to the congregation. He said, pray right now. Guard your hearts. This devil is going to be looking for a place to go. And he laid hands on that girl, that woman. And he said, in the name of Jesus, you foul and evil spirit, I adjure you, loose your hold upon this woman. Get out of her right now in Jesus' name. You have no authority over her. She kind of slumped and kind of gave some kind of a guttural noise I can't even make. She fell over on the, on the chairs over the, the pew and she began to weep. And then she began to cry like a baby. And she says, I'm free. She was set free right there in front of our very eyes from a demonic influence. I'm telling you, it's powerful what you've got. It's powerful what you've got. You're not a second rate citizen in the church world today. If you've got the Holy Ghost, it doesn't grow as you get older. If you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've got the same 
full-powered Holy Ghost that this prophet had, that I've got, that the pastor's got. You can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can cast out devils. You can lay hands on people and they will talk in tongues. It's true. So if the Lord is going to strike fear into the enemy, you said we were terrible. No, he said you were terrible with banners. There's only two verses in Scripture that identify banners that God's people carry. One of them is in Psalm 16, verse 4. It says, Thou hast given a banner to them that love me because of the truth. The other's in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. It says, When he brought me into his excuse me, banqueting house, his banner over me was love. So when the church gets the truth in one hand and love in the other, we become a frightful force for the devil to contend with. In the New Testament, it says preach the truth in love. Brother Dan, you know why some charismatics don't scare the devil? Because they got the love, but they don't have the truth. You know why some apostolics don't scare the devil? Because they got the truth. They don't have the love to get them out and get them into their schools and workplaces and teach them a Bible study and rescue their friends. But honey, if we ever get a hold of the love for the lost and don't put down the truth, we can turn our city upside down. This church can do it. I said we can do it. This message is seeking this morning. Seeking through this congregation. For someone who's saying, Brother Roddy, I'm just so tired of just living for God. I want to do something for God. See, the prodigal son prayed, and he prayed just two prayers in Luke chapter 15. It was only two words long. When he was walking away from his father, he prayed, Give me. When he was walking toward his father, prayed make me give me that portion of goods that belong to me make me one of your hired help you know we can pretty much track our spiritual progress and our spiritual attitude toward the church by what our prayers say if our position toward the church is give me entertain me pastor make me feel good we may be walking in the wrong direction. But if we can approach God this morning with a spirit that says, I've had it all wrong, Jesus. It's not about me. I thought this was something that I was just in for the fellowship, just to see my friends. But this morning I know I'm in this to fight. And I'm going to keep your message pure. And I'm going to keep my life pure. And I'm going to get into this word and I'm going to keep it. I want you to use me, Jesus. You hear me. Our enemy is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. There are many word pictures in Scripture that paint the dilemma of a sinner. One is found in the book of Job. 
When Jophar was speaking, he says of a sinner, a bow of steel shall strike him through. That's a description that God gives us of a condition of a sinner. I've got a friend of mine that lives down in Houston. Actually, he's just a little south of Houston, down toward Galveston. We used to play ball together back in the day. In fact, my wife and I led he and his wife to the Lord and prayed him through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he was a powerful guy, big guy, strong. Muscles on his arms were like gallon milk jugs. He was huge. When he would hug me, he would just pick me up and my feet would just dangle and I'd just be going. But he was a bow hunter. I used to follow him out in the backyard sometimes and we'd be talking and he would be practicing his bow and he'd shoot that thing. Those arrows would go through the target, through the hay bale, and stick in his fence. And I thought, when I looked at the, at the power generated by that thing, I thought, my God, can you imagine a bow of steel? How fearsome that is. That young girl that sits beside you at school, you know her name, but you don't know her well. What you don't know is that for years she's been abused by a family member. That guy that sits next to you at work looks like everybody else. Drives a really nice car. What you don't know is when he goes home every day, there's nobody there to greet him. And he lays a line of cocaine out on the coffee table and takes a straw and sucks that stuff into his brain. What you don't know is that lady, that young lady that you see in the hall every day is a hopeless alcoholic. One of these days, she'll wrap a car around a utility pole. And all three of them are going to hell. When they get out of bed every morning, that devil gets out that bow. And he says, you are filthy. You're worthless. Your life is not worth living. And they live every day with those things shooting through them. And you say, my God, what hope do they have? Scripture gives us an answer. There's only one other verse in the Bible that uses the phrase, a bow of steel. That's when David says, Thou teachest my hands to war, so a bow of steel can be broken by mine arms. When we learn how to fight, God gives us the power to step into the lives of those beautiful people in our schools, in our workplaces, and to reach up and take that bow out of the hands, out of the hands of the devil and break it. I said, break it. He teaches our hands to war. He anoints our heads to fight. So that we can walk through life grabbing a bow of steel and breaking it. That's really all I was trying to say to you today. Is that for far too long, 
Some of us have been content just to sit at the Father's table and say, feed me, Jesus. Come on, Pastor, entertain me. Make me feel good. But this morning, the Lord Jesus is saying to his people, all right, you've repented. You've been forgiven. I've empowered. Now, what are you going to do for me? I said, what are you going to do for me? Thanks for listening to the Vision Church podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow up with our messages from week to week at visionnwa.com forward slash messages. And if you would like to support this ministry financially with what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas and around the world, be sure to support us online at visionnwa.com forward slash give. 